Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Feeling fantastic, feeling fun, feeling fun. fresh. How are you? I'm feeling funky, and I like your quarter zip zip <laughs> jacket. It, you look like a pumpkin. I do. I'm wearing a neon orange quarter zip sweatshirt that is like four sizes too big. I got it from my grandpa, aka Papa. And I'm also wearing zigzaggy sweatpants. So I look probably as crazy as I could with the clothes that I have. Um, but I love it. I feel comfortable. You're like a pumpkin on top and a zebra on the bottom. I am. That's a very apt description. Thank mm-hmm. you. But yeah, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I did read one of the stories and it is insane. Yeah. Um, and there's three more that are also very long. So I'm excited. Yeah. And they are spooky. Yes. We love um, a spooky story for spooky season. Yeah. Yeah. So now that I'm fully on the train that aliens are real <laughs> maybe i'll warm up to ghosts i think you've been warmed up to ghosts. i've been warmed maybe i'll just like fully like stop ignoring it we'll put you on you like know? slow cook like the crock pot As, a yeah simmer. ghosts were more like a crock pot yeah um aliens were a pan fry <laughs> well we're gonna get you up to pressure cooker yeah okay yeah so what do you got for me this week so for those of you who don't know This is a listener story episode where people who listen to our podcast send in their own stories and then we read them and react to them and talk about them and it's really fun. And this just so happens to be a spooky version of a listener's episode, which I love. Because Halloween? Because Halloween. And you definitely showed up. So thank you to everyone who sent in stories. This time we have some pretty long ones. So I'm excited. Um, And this first story that we've got today is the perfect example as to why I do not mess around with Ouija boards. Um, oh shit i don't have many rules in my living space i mean like you know my general space <laughs> no okay so here's what i'm getting at so i obviously want my home to be clean and whatever organized not too loud you know general roommate rules but i also have a special rule for people who live with me and that is that you cannot own a ouija board maybe you think i'm crazy that's fine i don't mess with that shit <laughs> and fair enough i don't even want it in my house because that has a look at it i don't even want to look at it it's got bad juju and people think it's a game but it's not a game i think it's the source of bad juju no mm-hmm. weird things can occur and uh it's all about the intention i guess it's like if you're gonna mess with it i don't know you might get something bad i don't know i'm rambling i'm scared of ouija boards is my point yeah so let's just get into our first story this is from lily Thank you, Lily. Very excited to tell it. All right, here we go. Since I was a child, I have had many paranormal experiences. Too many to count, actually. I am the fourth child of five girls. My mother raised me as a single mother since the age of four. My house was full of raging female hormones all the time. This matters later on, so remember that I lived in a house full of females. No brothers. No father around. I remember being able to see apparitions since the age of six. It didn't matter where we moved. I seemed to attract many people of the expired type. (laughs) That's That's a funny way to say it. 
There were the usuals, quote unquote, that appeared to be attached to the home we lived in at the time. The usuals. Yeah. You know, like the <laughs> frequent flyers. I am dying to know what this experience is actually like. Like you just attract ghosts everywhere. Yeah, some people are tasty to ghosts. Anyway, let me keep going and we'll talk about it after. God, I would love to interview someone. I remember one house where the apparition of a little girl would appear in the middle of my long hallway of our ranch-style home who would just stand there. One night, I had to pee so bad I decided to close my eyes and walk through the apparition as she seemed to not want to go away. Bro, what? That's insane. That's giving, like, what's that scary movie? Where they have the girls at the end of the hallway? Oh, God, what is it? It's a big hotel. About? Big hotel. Red Rum. Oh, Red Rum? <laughs> what uh... is that? The Shining? The Shining. <laughs> the Shining. <laughs> Thank you for remembering Damn. because I'm sure someone's I've... screaming in their car. The, the Shining! <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never seen that movie actually. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, anyway, let's keep going. I had become used to these apparitions to the point where they rarely spooked me. I based my level of fear on the energy I felt. If I felt it was bad or sinister, it would spook me. And if it felt kind or friendly, I acknowledged them when I would see them and would greet them with a hello. These visits would become so frequent, my mother taught me how to rebuke the spirits in the name of God. As a Christian family, we relied on the power of God to protect us. As an October baby, it pretty much destines you to have Halloween-themed birthday parties for your entire life. I didn't mind. Halloween is my favorite holiday, so it's very fitting. Why do I tell you this? Well, that's because for my 10th birthday, a friend of mine thought it would be a fun gift to give me a Ouija board. This was back in 1995, so let me tell you, I was terrified of movies like The Exorcist. Scary movies were my jam and typically wouldn't faze me much as a kid, but that movie gave me nightmares. I had been warned that the board was nothing to play with, and it could welcome evil spirits into your life and encourage possession like that of The Exorcist. Nonetheless, my mother felt the Hasbro cardboard game was just that, a silly game and didn't see the harm in me keeping it. Oh, was she wrong. <laughs> Don't worry, this isn't a story about possession. I now know that you can make a spirit board out of anything, including notebook paper, and it can still work. It's all about the intention and invitation of spirits to come to speak to you, not the material you're using to communicate. Fast forward to the age of 13. By this time, I occasionally would pull out the board to play with friends. Lots of weird and silly stuff would come through, but nothing I truly believed was real. I always thought it was my friends just goofing off and moving the planchette. I had my friend Barbara over to hang out one day to do normal teenage stuff like paint our nails and make prank calls. It was fun growing up in the 90s, and we did 90s stuff as you would expect. Barbara asked to bring out the Ouija board to play with. I hesitated at first, but then decided it would be fun to do with Barbara since I had never played it with her before. Stories she had heard from my other friends when we played had piqued her interest in it. We sat across from each other on my twin-size bed with the board between us. Out loud, I asked if anyone was with us. Immediately, the planchette began to move. Yes, it said. It moved with such strength, I thought that Barbara had to be moving it herself. She swore she wasn't. We continued with the usual questions like, what's your name? Hannah, she said. Where are you? Next to Lily. What happened to you? Killed my children. Killed myself. Are you evil? Yes. These Ooh, were... <laughs> I got goosebumps. Yeah. 
These responses sent chills down our spines. Once she claimed to be evil and a murderer, I was done playing, but Barbara insisted we continue to play. Periodically, we would ask Hannah where she was, and she would usually tell us she was somewhere in my bedroom. Then one time we asked her where she was, and she said, floating above Ryan. We were puzzled. Who is Ryan? It didn't make any sense. Nonetheless, we shrugged it off and continued. Later on, we asked again where Hannah was, and she repeated the same thing, floating above Ryan. She went on to say things like Ryan was good-looking and she liked him. We were still puzzled as to why she was talking about this Ryan guy. By this time, I was becoming bored of playing with the board and was ready for a break. I decided to go get us a drink. I made my way to the kitchen, which was through a long hall, and the kitchen was connected to the living room. Remember when I said I lived in a house full of females? Well, as I was approaching the living room, I see the side profile of a male sitting on my sofa come into view. My older sister approached me in the living room and said aloud as the male stood up from the sofa, Hey, Lily, I want you to meet my friend Ryan. Whoa. <laughs> I nearly shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the color drained from my face and I looked as white as a ghost. Ryan, I asked. He stuck his hand out to shake mine and said, Yes, I'm Ryan. Nice to meet you. I stammered that it was nice to meet him, too. I did a 180-degree turn and booked it back to my room. Barbara was surprised to see the frantic and pale look in my face. I immediately blurted out, Oh my god, Hannah is real. It really wasn't you just pulling my leg with the board. There's a guy named Ryan sitting in my living room right now. Barbara jumped from the bed and went to see for herself. There was, in fact, a guy named Ryan sitting in my living room. What the actual fuck? <laughs> After getting over the initial shock of what was just realized, I sprung into action by closing the board and boxing it back up. There was no way I would continue to play with the board now that there was proof it was actually working and we made contact with a murderer who killed her children. Would you want that kind of evil energy in your home? I tossed the board in the garbage on trash day, and that was the last time I touched one of those boards, and it will be the last time I ever do. I've tried to look up information on Hannah's existence for the purpose of this story, but was unable to find anything on homicide by a mother named Hannah online. At the time, it was 1998, and we were just getting to know the internet, so we didn't have the luxury of seeking information that easily, especially for a 13-year-old girl. I have minimal information to go off of, seeing as I only have the first name and her claim of killing her children. I wouldn't even know if it had happened in my hometown or a time period. That's the story of how I realized that the Ouija board is not a silly toy, and it's not a good idea to gift it to anyone, much less a child. Thanks for reading my spooky story. Happy Halloween, Lily. Yeah, wow. That's so freaky. That's I, insane. Yeah, I've seen like the joke videos where people are like acting, they're pretending it's real. Yeah. But I've always had an aversion because you're so anti Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this this is crazy. I mean, the look on her face when the guy tells her his name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sheet white back in the room. Yeah. How do you like end? Do you just be like, bye? Um, there's a, there's goodbye at the bottom of the board. So you like say goodbye and you put the planchette over goodbye. And I think you pull it off the board. And I, I think that's a way to end it. There's like certain things you're supposed to do to end it properly. Because if you don't say goodbye and you don't end it, then 
it might not like close out the board and like the energy yeah you gotta close your tabs but that's some woo woo shit clear like, your <laughs> browser history well this know? is one of those things where like yes the people you play with matters because like yeah someone could be moving the planchette making it say whatever they want it to and that's always a possibility right but like this is one of those situations where it's undeniable proof that like something else was with them kind of because like they didn't know some random dude named ryan was in their house they they were like so confused at that answer and they asked it multiple times and they were like what are you talking about and where are you and they're like floating over ryan they say it twice and then they're like ryan is good looking and they're like who is ryan they had yeah. never met this person. They didn't know they, that he was in their house. Yeah, imagine if um they like debunked it like, oh, he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He couldn't be. This ghost couldn't possibly be talking about this Ryan. This Ryan is ugly. <laughs> That'd be messed up. No, but that's really scary. And that is literally the reason I would never play with a Ouija board because I'm terrified of something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't imagine what the existence of somebody who just sees this all the time is like oh because she said in the beginning how she just sees apparitions quote uh the usuals uh, yeah i mean I, I don't know like i guess i mean she got used to it but the thought of going like closing your eyes and walking through a ghost seems a little spooky if yeah, you will it feels like the sixth sense you know when he like sees dead people <laughs> yeah I, I i feel like like she said it's like you kind of just get used to it you can kind of feel the vibe like you can feel if it's something that's you feel the vibe evil or like not pleasant and then you can be spooked but like i'm sure a lot of them are just like people passing through like hey yeah. you can see me that's crazy i have so many questions for her and then oh, she yeah. uses the power of god to compel, compel them <laughs> the power of christ compels to you. dispel them sure make them go away yeah um why don't we move on to story number two i believe that Let's is do it. something that you're going to read that is correct. It is my turn. I'm going to read a story from Carter. Pronouns she, her. Thank you, Carter. Carter says, in 2016, I was 20 years old and lived at home with my parents while commuting to college in my hometown. My cousin, who was also 20, we'll call him Jake for privacy, was living with us at the time. We lived in a suburban area in Pennsylvania that's known for little to no crime. There were a lot of big houses, one of which we lived in. It was November 2nd, and I remember falling asleep at around 11.30 p.m. A little after midnight, I woke up to see two masked men walking towards my bed, both holding glocks. As they got closer, they were looking all sus and telling me to put my hands behind my back. I would imagine that one would look sus. <laughs> if they're breaking into your house men with in guns. your house with guns. Yeah, I think so. Damn. I thought, yeah, right. Which of my friends is pranking me right now? Because like I said... We lived in a very safe area. They kept telling me to put my hands behind my back and I started to sit up saying, you guys are fucking with, and then bam, I felt metal come down on my head. The guy pistol whipped me on my forehead, hard. Well shit, this is real. The next thing I knew, I was on my stomach and could feel blood pouring down my face and down the side of my bed. The world shifted in that moment. Nothing felt real. My ears were ringing and all I felt was fear and disbelief. This wasn't happening, but it was. I asked them what they wanted and to please not kill me, as they zip-tied my hands behind my back. The guy pulled me up out of bed. Side note, I always slept with just a t-shirt and underwear on. That night, I happened to throw sweats on, and thank God I did. 
if you know what I mean, ladies. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I do think about that sometimes. Like, I also typically don't sleep with pants because it gets hot. But then sometimes I'll have that like intrusive thought of like, oh shit, what if there's a fire? <laughs> or like, oh, what really? if, yeah, like, what if I got to run outside and I just got my little skivvies on? <laughs> Is that a word? I think skivvies? so. Skivvies? Yeah. Just, it felt right. Your undies. Yeah, undies. What a thought to have right then. But yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely terrifying. Um, keep going because <laughs> that's horrifying. I'll call the other guy with him his sidekick because he looked terrified the whole time. So the guy and his sidekick walked me out into the hallway and over to my cousin Jake's room. They turned on the lights and woke him up. My poor cousin was butt naked. He was obviously shook as the guy zip tied his hands behind his back. His sidekick was standing with me holding my arm. I looked him dead in the eye and he looked absolutely horrified, staring back at me with my face covered in blood and matted hair. I definitely look like Carrie. Movie reference. Then they took us to my parents' room, woke them up and zip-tied them too, and told us all to stand facing the wall. They were demanding cash, asking where our safe was. My dad kept telling them that we didn't have a safe with cash, and the guy said, you can't live in this big-ass house and not have a safe. I honestly laughed to myself because, dude, it's 2016, and this isn't the movies. Who has a safe full of cash in their house? So they kept yelling and threatening to kill us, with their guns pointed at our faces. The sidekick, still looking like a robber rookie, gave my cousin a robe to put around his waist. He was definitely roped into this. My dad works in real estate and had about $1,100 in cash in his bedside drawer and gave them that. They were pissed that that was all they were getting. I said I had 100 bucks cash in my wallet downstairs. The guy said, take me to it. So he starts to walk me out of the room and I hear my mom say, please don't hurt her. Apparently she and my dad hadn't seen my face because I was so calm. As I was leading the way to my purse, the guy whispered in my ear, if we don't get what we're looking for, then maybe we'll just take you instead. I had to force the image of me getting thrown into the trunk of a car out of my head. As we entered our mud room, he asked if our dog would bark. We hadn't even been able to see our dog Buddy yet, so it was weird that he knew we had one. Buddy was an old, deaf, partially blind lab. He just looked up at us like nothing was happening. So the guy takes my money and we go back upstairs. They start yelling again, getting more angry. We kept telling them it's all we had. My mom offered her wedding ring and my dad offered to get the money out of an ATM, but they just wanted cash and they wanted it now. As they're yelling, I realize I'm staring down the barrel of a handgun. Then they tell us to all lay on our stomachs next to each other like sardines. My stomach dropped. We were about to be killed. This is what happens in the movies. I started shaking my head and he yelled, get on the ground or I'll fucking shoot you right now. Going down on my knees, I felt defeated. This was the end. I was absolutely horrified. I'm not a religious person. I didn't have a flashback of my life or think about going to heaven. All I saw was darkness. On my stomach, I looked to my left to see my dad laying next to me with a gun on his forehead, still being screamed at. I turned away. I couldn't watch my dad get shot. Then I hear the guy say, Now, when we leave, don't fucking get up. There's a sniper outside and they'll shoot you. I also knew that was bullshit. But hearing those words, Now when we leave, I thought, Holy shit, are we going to live? And they left. My parents' room had double doors, and they tied them shut from the outside. I was in shock. They left? 
We all stayed still. None of us can remember for how long, but eventually we started to try and wiggle out of our constraints. Jake and I were able to break free of our zip ties. Crouching, we looked for something to cut my parents' ties, but couldn't find anything. Now, how were we going to get out? They took all of our phones and we were locked in the room. I looked around and realized one of the windows led out to the roof, which connected to my room. And I knew the windows were unlocked because I like to have a little breeze at night. I opened the window and got my ass onto that roof. Crawling across, I felt like a sitting duck, expecting to get shot at any moment. I got to my window and peeked in to make sure that they weren't in there. With no sign of them, I shimmied the window open and slipped through. I grabbed a pair of scissors from my desk and tiptoed back to my parents' room, listening. I cut the phone cord they used to tie the doorknobs together and got back in. After my parents' ties were off, Jake and I held on to each other. What the fuck had just happened? My dad had found his phone in the room and ran to our neighbors and called 911. Jake, my mom, and I were terrified to go out the main door, so we jumped out a low window on the side of our house. I dove under a low-hanging tree and told my mom and Jake to get the hell under here with me. Within no time, we saw cop lights coming down the street. We ran towards them as they pulled into our driveway. I saw cops jump out of the cars, sprinting up to our house carrying assault rifles. It was wild. My dad met us in the driveway with a cop. They asked if we needed an ambulance, and Jake said, yeah, Carter does, and that's when my parents finally saw my face. They had no idea. I told them they had hit me with their gun, and the look on their faces said it all. I really thought I was fine and didn't need an ambulance, but they all insisted. Once the ambulance arrived, my mom and I hopped in, and they put me on the gurney. I started to reach my hand up to touch my head, and they all said, no, 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 don't touch it. I really didn't think it was that bad, but they wrapped my head in gauze. One of the EMTs in the ambulance was a guy around my age, and boy, he was cute. <laughs> the important stuff. I know. I really laughed out loud when I read this the first time. <laughs> I told him I was sorry I didn't put any makeup on. How embarrassing. To this day, I'd wish I had gotten his contact info. That's that is a, so funny. That's kind of a slick move. You're like, oh, sorry, I didn't put any makeup on. I didn't expect to see you here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's kind of slick. I like that. It's a good line. Um, but sorry, this is like out of a scary movie. This yeah. is a real life crime break in, yeah. like kind of almost hostage situation. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I can picture that so clearly. And yeah, that's horrifying. And with the safe again, I feel like we've told a few stories where people just break in and expect people to have a safe. Uh, yeah, that is a thing. People are like, well, you must have money in this big house. And it's like, no, you probably don't. It's like, like bitch, there's a bank for yeah. this reason. We all have credit cards, babe. Yeah. Like, what, are you crazy? Yeah. Anyway, at the emergency room, practically all of the doctors and nurses were in my room, just baffled with what had happened. Because again, this shit didn't happen in that area. Yeah, that's another thing is like, this was a really safe area. I guess that's kind of always how it goes. It's like, oh yeah, this is a little town where everyone keeps their doors unlocked because it's so safe here. And then it's like, oh, actually something really horrifying has happened because nobody's expecting it. Yeah, but I feel like every town that you ask people like, oh, how is it safe here? They're like, yeah, oh, it's so safe. I'm like, has any has anything bad ever happened? Yeah. And they'd be like, oh yeah, there was this one time. Of course. Where, you know, so it's like, yeah, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, there are cuckoo people out there wherever you go, so. Yeah. My nurse started to clean up my bloody face and said I definitely need stitches. I asked if I could use the bathroom before we did that. Once I saw myself in the mirror, I wasn't sad or scared. I was pissed. 
On the left side of my forehead was a gash about three inches long and deep enough to where I could almost see my skull. Yikes. I was absolutely livid that they had done that to me. The nurse told me she had to inject lidocaine into the gash, and I said, do whatever you need to do. I'm alive, and that's all I care about. I got two stitches inside the wound and eight to close it up. That's big. That is that's a big very gash. Big. Yeah. My dad and Jake had stayed at the house with the police officers and the police dogs. It was around 3 a.m. at the hospital when a detective arrived. He said they pinged our phones and it looked like they were all in the house somewhere. We found all of the phones stuffed into a suitcase inside another suitcase in a closet in one of the hallways. Then he drove us to the police station where we all gave statements. Around 5.30 a.m., the detective drove us back to our house. It was an odd feeling. The house was quiet, peaceful, but it also felt violated, unsafe, not like a home anymore. We were all kind of like, now what? None of us wanted to sleep. It was a weekday, so we all decided to do our normal weekday activities because no one really told us what we should do when we get home. My parents and cousin went back to work, and I went to my 9 a.m. class. That's insane. So you are like, you just didn't get any sleep and you didn't even get a day off? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you definitely could have taken a day off at yeah. least. But um, that's an interesting point that when you get home, it's still your same house, but it doesn't feel the same. Like the energy there is just so different. Yeah. And like it feels unsafe and like violated. Like I can imagine how that would be the case, but I just had never thought about it before. Yeah, I remember we had like a very minor break in, but they came in and stole some stuff. Really? Yeah, at my house. I didn't know So that. it was really nothing like this. But no. But even then it was like, it was weird and that same feeling on a smaller scale. Yeah, much smaller scale, I'm sure. But yeah. like, yeah, I can imagine how like knowing that, even if you didn't see them, knowing that someone has like violated your space and like intruded in a way and they shouldn't have been there could make yeah. it feel like different. Yeah, well, that thought will never leave the back of your mind. Right. It's also like no longer a safe space. Like it's a place where you've been traumatized, your whole family. I mean, yeah. she was laying there on the ground thinking she needed to turn away so that she didn't see her dad get shot. Like that is not something that you bounce back from very quickly. No. And also, I mean, not even to mention the pistol whipping. Like that's also like a physical wound, but... The, I think the psychological stuff of it all is really yeah hard to come back from quickly. I mean, I don't know how you sleep. They didn't sleep. Well, I know. like Just after that, you mean? After that at all, period. Yeah. I, I mean, that's something that you have to work past, you know? Yeah. So Carter went to her 9 a.m. class. Walking around campus with a huge bandage on my forehead, I thought I should have been dead. I felt like that for a while. And a crime victim therapist validated that feeling. Side note for anyone who is a victim of a crime, see a crime victim therapist. It was incredibly helpful for me. So you're probably wondering now, did all those guys get caught? Hell yeah, they did. When we got back to the house, my mom found the fingertip of a rubber glove on the floor of their bedroom that somehow the cops missed? What? Question mark. How do you miss that? I don't know, bro. <laughs> okay. We sent it for DNA sampling and a year later got a match to a guy who had just been arrested for speeding and finding weed in his car dumbass yep this guy had gone to my high school he was just a year older than me we learned that he was part of a wannabe gang in the area the leader of the gang had also gone to my high school and had known my brother 
We think he had been at our house at some point in high school when my brother had people over, and that's how they had an idea of what the layout of the house was and the fact that we had a dog. Oh, geez. That is so scary that it's like someone they yeah. knew. Yeah. I mean, the, she put it together in the moment that they yeah. knew there was a dog. Right. So this home invasion was targeted at us. That gang leader had also been arrested for a store robbery and other things and has been in prison ever since. So for our guy, with one look at him, I knew he was the guy who had hit me. I could see it in his eyes. His height also gave it away. His sidekick wasn't nearly as tall as he was. Court day arrived in 2020. My parents, Jake, myself, and our attorneys sat on one side of the courtroom. On the other side sat the guy's family, including aunts and uncles and friends. Once the guy came out in shackles and sat in his place, I couldn't look at him in the face. The session began and my dad and I gave our testimonies. The guy's mother, uncle, and aunt, I believe, all vouched for him, claiming that he had found Jesus and to give him another chance. The judge wasn't buying it. As our attorney gave his speech to the judge on our behalf, he did the most TV show thing ever. He said, this man, and pointed his finger directly at the guy, no bend in the elbow. <laughs> Sick. My cousin and I were secretly geeking under our masks. It was awesome. Anyway, after everyone had said their part, the judge started going through a literal list of all the things the guy had been arrested for or gotten in trouble for in the past, including having possession of a gun at 12 years old. He told the guy that he had already had his second and third chance. And then he said, when there's lightning, it rains, and sir, it is raining for you today. Boom. He was sentenced to 20 to 40 years in prison consecutively. A few years later, he actually ended up asking the judge to do a resentencing based on good behavior in prison. The judge was like, yeah, sure, we'll make it 19 to 39 years. Another boom. <laughs> the judge knew this guy and his past and wasn't entertaining any bullshit. So yeah, that's my story. Just keep breathing, Carter. Damn, Carter. I am sorry that you had to live through that, but you did well. <laughs> like, yeah. you really survived that thing. I feel like this is a, I don't know what you would say, like archetype, not archetype, but like general story. Like a stereotype, like stereotypical yeah. break-in. Yeah, this is like a stereotype that I feel everyone has played in their mind That's before. That's my like, point. Oh, I would like get up. I yeah. would, you would plan for it. You like, I don't know. I've gotten anxious about this like a few times, you know, well, that, that I was, definitely think about it. That was what I was saying earlier was like, this is the stereotypical break-in movie like this is something we've all seen and we've all thought about because it's like one of those things where it can happen to anyone but like you just have to hope it doesn't happen to you you know like yeah it's I scary mean, i'm sure it doesn't happen very often at no, all no but... that's not what i'm saying i'm I'm just saying like if crazy people want to break into a house like it could happen to someone yeah like it obviously happens but yeah, it, it's really crazy that it was a gang initiation. We, I don't I feel know if like it was a gang initiation, but they were like part of a gang. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like we've talked about like gang related crimes and how people just get caught in the crosshairs because it's either like an initiation or it's something gang related. But yeah, people are just out here doing crazy things to like completely innocent people because they are in a gang. And it's like, what? How is that your life? It's hard to imagine how you get there. Also, the family of this person in court being like, oh, they, I swear, they found Jesus, like, give them another chance. Um, yeah, great. I, that's awesome for them. But also, that doesn't 
erase the fact that they did this like terribly horrifying violent crime to these innocent people like congrats on jesus and all but like you still need to get punished yeah <laughs> you know I mean... like your religion doesn't make you exempt from going to jail like also yeah i mean it's just like one of those things where i don't know are you ever gonna know you like, you can't actually tell like has he actually found jesus like you know what i mean well sure i mean that very well could be a lie but also it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't really matter anyway fantastic storytelling thank you carter fantastic story horrible situation yeah I really hope that your family is doing well after that and that there wasn't any like residual weirdness. And you um, know what? I hope that you randomly bump into that EMT. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a, I forgot about that part. I also hope that. Get those digits. Yeah, manifest that. You clearly have the moves. Secure yeah. the digits. Secure, <laughs> secure the bag. Yeah. All right. On to the next story. This story is from my mom. Oh, Ro. Me mum. Ro's on the, on the track. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Ro's on the track. Um, so I love this. Uh, my mom has so graciously written in a story uh, from her life that was very spooky. Her whole life has been quite spooky. So thank you, mom. Let us begin. <laughs> yes, I've heard that I was teased this story, so I'm excited to hear it. Great. Hi, Steph and Alex. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mom, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I love spooky season, so I decided to write to you to share my story of some weird happenings that I experienced while living in my college apartment. My story dates back a number of years, a little over 30, actually, but I still get chills whenever I think about what I felt and experienced there. That is true. She has told me the story many times, and every single time she goes, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> she hates it. <laughs> So thank you for writing it. Anyway, initially, my two roommates and I loved living there. We were best friends. It was our first apartment and we were having a great time. We laughed a lot. So when the first strange things started happening, it felt natural to just make a joke of it and laugh it off. After living there a couple of months for no apparent reason, our oven timer started going off randomly. This seemed a little weird because we didn't cook, unless you count occasionally boiling water for pasta or scrambling an egg. So we had no need for the timer and had never even set it. The other weird thing was that it happened at different times of the day. It happened on some days and not others, and there didn't seem to be any pattern. It just sounded on its own, out of nowhere, and would always startle us. Of course, we at first just thought that there must be some electrical issue with the stove, but thinking about it in retrospect, we now ask ourselves, why would an electrical device just randomly turn on when it was never even used? Either way, we would laugh it off and say, there goes the oven timer again. There was also one day when my roommates and I were sitting at the dining room table together, talking and laughing, when our Christmas tree, which we had set up in the adjacent living room, unexplicably fell forward and crashed to the floor. It was just another startling thing that we couldn't explain since it had previously been standing against the wall and it had appeared to be very stable. It didn't have a lot of ornaments on it to weigh it down, we only had a few, and there was no uneven weight distribution that we could tell. When it happened, too, it just looked like it had been pushed forward. One of my roommates also had a few strange incidents in our living room. She reported that there were a few times where she felt a whoosh of a breeze while standing near our sofa and chair. Now, this was weird because there was no windows or doors open when this happened. 
As a matter of fact, our apartment was very cold all the time. Partly because we were broke college students and didn't want to spend too much money on heat, but also, even when we did try to raise the heat, it just remained chilly. So we were very careful to always keep all windows and doors shut at all time. During this time, while I didn't experience any strange cold breezes myself, I did start to experience the uneasy feeling of being watched. That prickly sensation you get when you think someone is behind you, but you turn and no one is there. Or you think you see something move so quickly out of the corner of your eye, but you look in that direction and see nothing, started to occur at random. I even experienced this a time or two while taking a shower. But the weirder thing was, I felt like I would see something by the shower window. But we were on the second floor, and when I looked out, there was nothing and no one outside, just air. It wasn't an apartment complex either, where maybe you could see someone in the opposite apartment window looking at you. It was the upstairs of a high ranch home in a suburban neighborhood, so the shower window faced only the backyard, with no other houses in the line of sight of the window. Just air, two floors above the ground. It creeped me out enough that there were a couple of times when I was afraid to close my eyes to rinse the shampoo out of my hair, so I decided to risk getting shampoo in my eyes rather than be in the dark for a few seconds. But the worst of my experiences happened over two consecutive nights. Both of my roommates were out of town that week, so I was home alone. On the first night, I decided to sleep in my roommate's bed, because my room and my bed was often so cold. I had an old, very basic waterbed, and the temperature dial didn't always work properly. Some nights it was toasty warm, and on other nights, I froze. So that night, being one of the cold nights in my bed, the thought of sleeping in her cozy, regular bed seemed like a good option. That night, I had a terrible dream. It was one of the most realistic dreams I have ever had, except for the one I had the following night. And the strangest part was that my dream took place in the exact location where I was, with my surroundings appearing exactly as they were at the time, something that I had never experienced before. In my dream, I woke up in my roommate's bed. Her room looked exactly as it always did, and I got up and walked to the door, and then down the hallway toward the living room. When the living room came into view, I was struck by a horrifying sight. Everything was red, as if completely covered in blood. It covered the floor, the walls, the furniture, everything. Terrified and looking around the living room, I noticed the living room window was wide open and the curtains were blowing. My stomach sank with a feeling of fear and dread, and I turned and ran back down the hallway, back into my roommate's bedroom slammed the door and jumped into the bed. Then I woke up. I was extremely shaken. And for a second, I wasn't sure that it hadn't actually happened because I was in the exact same place where I had left off in my dream. I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night, but I shook it off and went about my normal routine the next day. Sufficiently creeped out by my nightmare the night before, the next night I decided to brave my cold bed and went to my own room. I managed to get the heater on the bed working, though, so I was comfortable and fell asleep without any trouble. But during that night, I experienced the worst, most petrifying dream of my life. In my dream, I was lying in my bed. Again, my room looked exactly as it always did, and I was looking down the foot of my bed and straight down the open door and into the hallway. Suddenly, I experienced a feeling of terror as I stared down the dark hallway. I knew something was there. I felt it. And then I saw it. 
a horrific figure slowly walking toward me. As it got closer, I could see it looked like a skeleton with long white hair and it had on a long red cape. Its dark eye sockets were fixed on mine as it creeped forward. I was terrified, but somehow I couldn't move and I couldn't scream. It entered the doorway and inched closer toward me until it was within arm's length of my body. Then it reached out a bony hand and touched my arm. I could actually feel the cold sensation of bone as it scraped down my forearm and my blood ran cold. The next thing I knew, I was jolted awake by the sound of my own screams. I was hysterical and shaking wildly, looking around the room, but the grotesque figure had vanished. Again, it seemed all too real as my surroundings were completely the same, except for the figure. Needless to say, I didn't sleep at all the rest of the night. I had thought about leaving that night, but didn't dare move for fear of what I might see outside my room. I convinced myself that it was best to stay there rather than drive to my parents' house a half an hour away in the middle of the night. I waited until the sun came up, and then I left. I never slept there again, and I never returned alone. Around this time, my roommates, for reasons of their own, had decided to move out, but prior to this nightmare, I had planned to stay in the apartment alone until our lease ran out at the end of the following month. I couldn't bring myself to do that, though, and I opted instead to move back into my family's home and commute to school and work. I didn't care that I had to pay a month's rent for an empty apartment because the idea of living there just felt menacing. I know it's easy to think that I was just overreacting and freaking out about a couple of strange occurrences and vivid nightmares, and maybe I was, but it was so real, down to every detail in my surroundings, that I couldn't help but wonder if they actually were just dreams. Either way, I truly believe to my core that I shouldn't go back. I like to think of myself as a rational person, always trying to come up with reasonable explanations for things that may not be easily explained but I just couldn't rationalize this one. My response was visceral. Even to this day, I get chills when I think about it. Over the years that followed, I considered the possibilities. I wondered whether this experience could have been a premonition. Would something terrible have happened to me there if I had stayed? Could this have been a warning from someone beyond? A way to frighten me so badly that I would leave and avoid a terrible fate? Or was it a sinister spirit or entity taking pleasure in terrorizing me? Or were they really just dreams? I think about it, and I wonder, but I guess I will never really know. Wow, that was well written. I know, um, my mom rocks. <laughs> yeah, geez. Um, yeah, uh, I can't believe that she felt it. Right? Isn't that so scary? And then everything is the same as it was in the dream because that usually never happens no that's a very like weird occurrence right that doesn't happen usually when you think about the dream like it's always a place that doesn't make any sense yeah or if it's like if it's takes place in your somewhere you know mm -hmm. there's something off about it yeah to have it down to all the details the same is weird and two um, nights in a row. Two nights in a row. And and the first night she was in her roommate's bed and she dreamt of being in her roommate's bed. Yeah. And then she switched locations yeah. and the dream switched. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she put it perfectly. I mean, it could be any one of those possibilities, but you know, it's not something that you can just like, I feel like you can, like you can definitely deny it, but it's yeah. just like. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things where it was a dream you could say oh it was sleep paralysis but it wasn't though because 
she was able to you know move around in her dream and she wasn't like conscious that she knew of i guess she said that she like was looking at the skeleton and couldn't move right so for the second one it it sounds more like sleep paralysis to me but the first one she got up and she walked into the living room and saw like the blood everywhere yeah but yeah the second one was like a figure walking toward her and she couldn't move and it touched her which is terrifying to think about and also i have seen my mom tell this story many times and every single time she is like actually very affected by it like she's yeah. it's clear that this is something that really affected her yeah that's the thing that sticks with me is that she's still retelling this how many years later 33 or something yeah. like that i mean it clearly was very real to her and yeah. stuck with her and yeah i don't know i don't know like because i've had sleep paralysis before and i feel like most people have they always have a story but i can't remember what the thing looked like right you know i I kind of remember the feeling, but I don't, it doesn't give me chills. Yeah. Also, it scared her so badly that she never like stepped foot in the apartment by herself ever again. Like she didn't even want to step foot in the apartment ever again, but she like had to move her stuff out. So she had like, I think her dad come with her and help her or like her roommates come and help her. But like she was never alone in that apartment ever again. Yeah. And fair enough. Yeah. And, and it, it like, if it was just dreams, that'd be one thing, but it wasn't. It was like also the timer and the Christmas tree and the weird like breeze going. Yeah, and it's always no, cold. We have more and we have more stories from Ro. Oh like, my there's god, there's definitely she is, something spooky going on. She is so tasty to spirits. Like this is not new, but yeah, and also I found it interesting her saying like maybe it was a premonition like maybe it was someone giving her a sign that something bad was going to happen like thinking about like her whole living room covered in blood like ceiling to floor to like furniture pieces and the window being open like she was like i feel like it was someone telling me that something bad was going to happen and like she felt like if she stayed in there then like maybe someone would break in and like murder her or something like that's the feeling that it gave her interesting yeah it's it's also I don't know if I should get into this as well, but like she's had another experience where she had a dream about her grandfather in a car with her and she had gotten into a car accident and he was, he like, she knew that he was controlling the car and he said like, don't worry, I've got you or like, I'm going to take care of you or something like that. In the dream? In the dream. Yeah. Like he was in control of the car, but he was like sitting in the passenger seat. It was like kind of like a magical, if you will, not magical, but you know, she just knew that he had her basically. Mm -hmm. And then- she told my mama about it, her mom. And then a few days later, she got into a car accident that like could have killed her. Wow. And and people and someone in her life was like, you could have died. And then my mama was like, didn't you have that dream about Papa like saving you in a car accident? So I don't know. I mean, that's some woo shit. Who knows if it's actually like a premonition or what? But like clearly her dreams are telling her things. Yeah. <laughs> like, have I ever told you about the story like i was playing around as a kid and um when you come into our house there's like stairs that go up yeah and i was like sliding down the railing of the stairs on my stomach and i slipped off and fell i was like three or four Mm -hmm. and it must have been like a 10 to 15 foot drop it was pretty far Mm -hmm. for a four-year-old and i landed on my back and like the wind got knocked out of me but i hit like we had like a tree that kind of slowed me down on the way down. And my mom thinks that her mom who died when she was 16, like... Caught you? Caught me. Yeah, like a guardian angel kind of thing. 
Yeah, I I kind of believe in that stuff. Like I believe in guardian angels. I believe in I, I don't know. I also believe that like potentially dead relatives or people in your life like can visit you in your dreams and like tell you things or like say they're okay or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I've had a couple family members who have said like, oh, you know, this family member who passed came to me in a dream and like told me they were all right and like said certain things. And I, I just find that so interesting and yeah. comforting as well. Yeah, it's comforting, but it's also so common. Yeah, super common. Like I I think if you were to tell that to a doctor, they'd be like, oh yeah, this is common for people after losing loved ones to yeah. see them again. It's like, oh, hmm. Yeah. What's so going on there? That clearly isn't what happened to my mom in her uh, college apartment, but we uh, yeah, we're going somehow off the got rails there. Now. <laughs> but yeah, isn't that, that's a spooky story. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't even really want to think too hard about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, thank you, mom. All right, on to the next. Hello, my name is Tori, and I have a story about the time my twin scared me in my closet, only it wasn't her. Oh. Cue bat screeches and distant cracks of thunder. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Set the scene. To preface this story, I had been convinced up until this point that my parents' basement was haunted. My sister's bedroom and shared bathroom facing each other were at the beginning of the basement hallway, followed by the laundry room and my room, which was at the end of the hallway. My sister had experiences of shadows in her room, or the covers being tugged off. This led her to believe I was the culprit. To her surprise, no one was in her room when she flicked the lamp on. Similarly, she had an isolated experience when she was home alone, where our family dog got so spooked that he had jumped off of the bed and shut the door until it latched and then got back into bed. I wouldn't have believed her if she had not taken a video of this, though the footage is lost to time. There were other experiences as well, such as my door being moved as if someone had bumped it and the laundry room cabinets being slammed shut. Each time we were the only ones in the basement, but because we were young sisters who liked to play pranks, we always blamed it on our other half, despite there not being anyone there when we checked. Fast forward to around 2015, when we were about 15 or so years old and getting ready to get into bed for the evening. I had a nightly routine of going into my room for some downtime before I actually fell asleep. So around 9.30pm, I'd make my nightly rounds, close my door, shut my closet, turn off overhead lights, etc. I had gone to my closet, which had accordion-style doors, and went to put my dirty clothes into a laundry basket. I was met with what I thought was my twin, about a foot away from my face and the biggest smile you'd ever seen. She then got out of the closet and ran down the hallway to the restroom while still giggling. I never saw her go in because I had closed the door after her. I was ready to go to sleep and very bitter at that point. The next day, after I asked her, Emma, why did you scare me last night? I was trying to go to bed. She said, what? I didn't scare you. I had chills and had to make sure she wasn't fucking with me because I was convinced. I said, you weren't downstairs last night at all? Not between 9 or 10? She said, no, I was upstairs helping mom grade papers. You can ask her. So after cross-referencing my sources, she was, in fact, upstairs. I don't really know what I saw in my closet that day, but I never left a door cracked or closet door even slightly ajar after that, 
Even after all these years, I need to turn the hallway light on when I go down. It just feels like someone or something is watching. I hope you enjoyed reading about my paranormal experience. One of these days, I'm going to get my parents a sage cleanse for Christmas because Jesus Christ, that shit is so spooky. And I am a grown ass <laughs> woman now. Also, I hope you have an amazing day. Love y'all. Tori. Thank you, Tori. Thank you, Tori. Uh, that is wild. So you said that she was smiling. Yeah. Her twin was in her closet with a big smile. Oh, And it God. wasn't her twin. No, no, no. And then it ran past her and out of the room. Oh, I hate that. That's the smile. so scary. I don't know why the smile is so much more sinister to me than yeah. if she was just blank. Yeah. No, there's something about the smile because you can tell that it's enjoying it. Yeah. Or like, I just imagine... You know that big smile that you do sometimes at me that oh, freaks yeah. me out? I w well, if I was looking <laughs> at me, it'd freak me out in the mirror, too. Yeah. It, I just imagine that, like, big, teethy, toothy smile that yeah. is, like, too big for comfort, you know? Yeah. Your eyes are wide. Yeah. And it just, like, runs past you. <sighs> and you open the door not expecting anyone to be there. You're just, like, going to bed. You're putting your laundry away. Yeah. That's horrifying i mean you scare me when i'm standing the in the horror. kitchen and i know you're in the house like you're here i know that and you walk into the kitchen and i jump like could you imagine if that happened in real life i would probably pass out <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. on the spot yeah, i would be would. unconscious yeah i was i don't think i've ever really tried to scare you maybe like once and, and then you, i was like put it to never bed real quick yeah do it again because um, i get scared when you're not trying to scare me so if you are yeah, attempting I to scare me i will pee i will pee yeah i can't <laughs> like so yeah i just i can't imagine <laughs> this happening or anything intentional like where you come out smiling Whew. when i read this story i couldn't believe it like if this is true, and I believe that it is, like I believe this person is telling me a true experience because like this is what listener episodes are. They're real stories. It's terrifying. That's yeah. the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it's your twin. It's like it, it's masking itself as your twin. That's kind of, it feels like our second story, Carter's story, how it like takes the safety away a little bit. Yeah. You know, like I know that they prank each other, so they're probably used to this kind of thing. And I'm sure she didn't look at her twin any differently because it wasn't her twin. Or. But like, it's like the scary thing is masking itself as the safe person in your life. Mm -hmm. That's messed up. Yeah, that's really scary. Or the twin and the mom are in on it. Are in cahoots. Are in cahoots. <laughs> and they have kept up the jig for so many years. That would be more impressive. Yeah, that would be pretty impressive. But I feel like at some point... But also kind of would, fucked up. Yeah, it would, yeah, well, that would be messed up. So probably not. But, you know, it's fun for to think about. But also, it really freaks me out that it was disguised as her sister. Because that doesn't feel like just some person who died who's just, like, in the house still. Like, their energy is still in the house and they're, like, a ghost or whatever. That feels like something that was never like a person on this planet you know yeah. what i mean like it feels like an evil situation in my yeah. opinion at least because like why would some random ghost of like a person who was alive however many years ago like why would they disguise themselves and how could they disguise themselves as yeah. like a the, this person's twin standing in her closet with a big smile on its face yeah like no. that that feels menacing uh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
It's because it is menacing. Yeah, that's awful. Um, that's disgusting. I never want to think about it again. Thank you so much, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have more stories about your very haunted house, please send them in because I'm endlessly intrigued. Anyway, thank you guys so much for these stories. If you have a story of your own that is spooky in nature or something like Carter's story or anything else that you have survived, send it to us at knowtodaypodcast.gmail.com and you might just hear it in an episode like this. We love talking about them and we love hearing from you guys. So thank you. Um, I'm excited for next week because Tuesday is Halloween and that means that we got to have a banger of an episode and I'm just excited (laughs) about it. So it's going to drop on the day. Yeah. I mean, how, how lucky is that? We get an episode on Halloween. That's sick. Anyway. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Also, um, I'm sure when this episode comes out that our Patreon poll will be up. Um, So if you want to vote on our next bonus episode or listen to all the other bonus episodes we have up right now, we have about 20 out right now, head over to Patreon. You can vote and listen to a bunch of bonus episodes. Vote and listen, folks. Hell yeah. Uh, All right. Well, what is your good thing? My good thing is that I am going to see Avenue Q <gasps> on Friday. Yes. And uh, I've, I've heard the soundtrack, but uh, I haven't seen it in person. So I'm so excited for that. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it and see what it's all about. Yeah. For those you of know? you who don't know Avenue Q, it is basically Sesame Street for adults. It's a musical. Um, and I have been wanting Alex to see it for so long. And I randomly came across a poster of like a local theater that's doing it this coming weekend. And I was like, oh my God, we have to go see it. So I'm very excited to take him. Um, we'll let you know how it goes. My good thing is that we went to this massive Christmas store and this little town that's like a, it looks like a little German town. And it was really fun. It was like the the leaves were all changing and it was just so beautiful. We sat on a riverboat tour, which was interesting to say the least. But yeah, it was just overall a really fun day. And um, we had good food and we had some fun and we saw some dogs and that was my good thing. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you have a story of your own that you would like to send to us, and here on an upcoming listeners episode, send it to knowtodaypodcast.gmail.com. We have a Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast with a T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. 